0: I okay. uh, Thank you, brothers and sisters, for joining us tonight in the study of the words of God. In the Logos for this episode, we're going to be looking at the Nicolaitans. Why did Yahushua hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans? And so as the foundation of the subject matter concerning the Nicolaitans, we come to the book of Revelation, chapter 2. And we know that the book of Revelations, chapter 2 and 3, refers to the feedback of our King Yahushua. Or his commendations and also his rebukes when he evaluated the Ecclesia or the seven assemblies. So let's take a look at the book of Revelation, chapter two, and the verse is six. This is what our king says, but this you have that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. What we read to you concerns Yahusha's praise of the Ephesian church. The Ephesian church hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans. And so Yahushua was proud of them for that. Yahushua says, this is what I have. A good thing about you is that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. That's really, because I too hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. So we can see some emphatic language from our king Yahushua, very passionate, uh, dislike of the Nicolaitans. And so that's the book of Ephesians. Um, um, that's the book of Revelation, the message of our king to Ephesus. Now to Pergamos, Revelation two fifteen and 16. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. And so our king Yahushua, when he was evaluating the seven assemblies, he referred twice to the Nicolaitans. And it's pretty obvious that our king does not lie. He hates the teaching and the deeds of the Nicolaitans. So in Revelation chapter 2, when we look at our king Yahushua's message to Ephesus and to Pergamos, we know he mentions the teachings and the deeds of the Nicolaitans. So when we put together teachings and deeds, we know this has to be religious leaders because religious leaders, well, they teach, and they also have practices and enforce certain beliefs. And so when our King Yahusha was referring to the Nicolaitans, it was a reference to a style of leadership, religious leaders characterized by certain teachings and practices. And so what characterizes the practice and leadership of the Nicolaitans? When we look at the Greek word Nicolaitans, it is actually a compound name composed of two Greek words, mikau and laos. Mikau means to rule, to conquer, to overcome. Laos means the or the people. And so when you put the two words together to form Nicolaitans, it represents the use of religious authority and power to rule over the people, to rule over the brethren. And so what our King Yahusha was speaking about in Revelation 2 is the type of leadership that those who claim to be religious people and religious leaders have over the laity, And so we need to identify Nicolaitan leadership. Why? So that we can be watchful and reject this type of leadership. So what are the characteristics of Nicolaitan leadership? When we study the gospels, when we study the teachings of our King Yanusha, he spoke much about leadership. Did you notice that? He spoke much and also spoke against the leadership of the Pharisees. He was also, he was, oh, they were always a subject matter of our king's rebukes. And so let's go ahead and look at some of the characteristics of Nicolaitan leadership. Matthew 23, 5-7, everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear extra white prayer boxes with scripture verses inside, and they wear robes with extra long tassels, and they love to sit at the head table at banquets and in the seats of honor in the synagogues. They love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi. So what is one of the characteristics of Nicolaitan leadership? Well, they like to exalt themselves. They want to make themselves set apart from the rest of the brethren. How so? By what they wear. In this case, our King Yahushua says they wear robes and extra long castles. In other words, their wardrobe or their attire distinguishes them from the others. But not only that, Bible says they sit at the seats of honor in the synagogues and so they have a special seat nobody else can sit there except them because it is a place of honor and they're the only ones who can sit in this place of honor and so if you have or you belong to a congregation where the religious leader has a special seat or a special seating assignment we have to be wary of what our king yahushua is speaking about and so they do everything Shell. In other words, they do everything to attract people to them instead of taking people to who? our king Yahushua. And so what does our king Yahusha warn? The greatest among you must be a servant, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So our king Yahusha tells us about the style of leadership that we should not follow. One of the characteristics of Nicolaitan leadership is they exalt themselves. What also is a style of leadership? Well, when our King Yahushua says that they exalt themselves, how do some religious authorities exalt themselves? Matthew 23, 8 to 10, you must not be called teacher because you are all members of one family and have only one teacher. And you must not call anyone here on earth father because you have only you have only the one father in heaven, nor should you be called leader because your one and only leader is the messiah. According to our King Yahushua himself, how do some exalt themselves as religious leaders? They want to be called teacher, they want to be called leader. But our King Yahusha says: Do not allow anyone to call you leader or teacher, because there's only one teacher. Who is that? Our King Yahusha. There's only one leader. Who is that? Our King Yahusha. Does it mean in the Ecclesia there are no leaders? There are no teachers. There are. There are shepherds. There are leaders. There are teachers. But the one thing that we should never do is make the claim that we are special leaders. We are special teachers. In other words, when we make the claim that I'm the only teacher who is authorized to teach, and I cannot be questioned because I have the authority, and I'm the only one who has the authority to teach. We cannot say that because the one who can claim that is only one person, who is that? Our King Yahusha. You see, when King Yahusha says, I you only have one teacher, you only have one leader. What is he telling us? He's telling us that he is the only authorized teacher, that he is the only authorized leader. We are but his instruments. He is the one who can we can go to, and he is the one who, when he teaches, we cannot criticize because he's the source of the true teaching. We are we are but proclaiming what our teacher, Is teaching. So our King Yahushua is called the one leader, the one teacher, the one head, the one shepherd, the one Lord. And so anyone will claim, I am the one head of the church. Or if anyone will claim, I am the one executive leader of the church. Or if one will say, I am the one shepherd of the flock, then they are exalting themselves. And so when we examine and look at different religious organizations, Sometimes there are people of the clergy who believe that they are the only ones who can rightfully explain the Holy Bible. And so you belong to this congregation. And so the teacher is teaching. Nothing wrong with that. It's good that the teacher will teach from the pulpit and teaching the Bible. That's good. However, when they begin to say they're the only ones who can properly explain the Bible, then they are exalting themselves? Because the only one who can make that claim is the one teacher who is Yahusha. So the question we want to ask you is this. In your congregation, can you question the teachings and practices of your religious leader or leaders? Because if not, that's a sign that they are exalting themselves. When they don't believe, they can be subjected to questioning Or doubting. Then they are exalting themselves. The only one we cannot question is who? Yahushua. But everyone else are subject to questioning. Why? Because everyone else is subject to making mistakes. Or making errors. The only one who is incapable of making any errors. Is our king Yahushua. And so what must we practice? According to Apostle Paul when we receive the teachings from the holy bible corinthians fourteen twenty two or three who are given god's message should speak while the others are to judge what they say you see those who were given the message to preach they should allow themselves to be subject to scrutiny that their teachings are to be tested and judged by those who are listening and so if you don't belong to a congregation where the one teaching is allowing this possibility to be tested, then they are exalting themselves. We must not do that. We cannot claim absolute authority. So these are the two characteristics of Nicolaitan leadership thus far. Number one, they exalt themselves. How do they do that? How do they do so? They claim absolute authority. They cannot be questioned by the laity. They're the ones who they believe they're the only ones who are able to explain the truth of Scripture. What also is a characteristic of Nicolaitan leadership, Matthew 20, 25, 28, but Yahushua called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you, must be your servant and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave for even the son of man came not to be served but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many what also is a characteristic of Nicolaitan leadership when they take position of their leadership they lord it over the people they use their authority so that they can have power over them. This is why King Yahushua says, they flaunt their authority over those under them. And so they believe there is this hierarchy. And so if you are the religious leaders, everyone else is under you. So because they are under you, you become lords over them. This is something our King Yahushua preached against. Those who are true leaders... Are not those who lord it over the people. Instead, they are the ones who serve, because the Son of Man, who is the leader, served as an example for us to follow. So, Apostle Peter also teaches us to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder. I wanna pause here for a while. Here's Apostle Peter. We know he's a leader, he's an apostle. And he's speaking to the fellow elders. Or to the elders throughout the different congregations there in Jerusalem. And he says to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder. You notice Apostle Peter did not exalt himself, right? He did not say, I'm an apostle, you're just an elder. No, he said, I appeal as a fellow elder. He uses the word appeal because he's not imposing anything. He's not directing anything. He says, I appeal to you as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory, that will never fade away. So here's Apostle Peter. When we look at his resume, quote unquote, we know that he is someone who has authority. But notice how he uses that authority. He did not impose his will. He says, I appeal to you. How did he address the elders? He said, you are my fellow elders because all of us are equal All of us are brothers and sisters, and we follow one teacher. We follow one Lord. He is the chief shepherd. And so, Apostle Peter recognized that he, although he is an apostle, he is not to be a Lord over the people because there's only one Lord. Who is that? Our King Yahushua. Not the apostles, not the clergy, not the elders, not the pastors, not the teachers. There's only one Lord, not one is our king, Yahushua. So if you belong to a church organization and they practice lordship leadership, that's a red flag. And so I want to ask you the following question. Do Do your religious leaders tell you, obey and never complain? I mean, think about that. If a religious leader will tell you, obey and never complain, he is portraying himself As what Lord and you are slaves that you belong to him. And so that kind of practice that kind of gesture ought to be given only to our true Lord who is our King Yahusha not to anyone here on earth so that's another aspect of Nicolaitan leadership they act as Lords over the people what else let's read here. An encounter between one who belonged, who used to belong to a certain cult. In the book of John, 9, 18 to 19, the Jewish authorities, uh, however, were not willing to believe that he had been blind and could now see until they called his parents and asked them, is this your son? You say that he was born blind. How is it then that he can now see? Do you remember this story in the Holy Bible? It's a pretty famous story because it's about this man who was born blind. And one day our King Yahusha on a Sabbath heals this blind man. Many people found out about it and so there was a lot of talk. How did this blind man all of a sudden be able to see? And then they said, oh, this Yahusha, he's the one who healed the blind man. So the Jewish authorities were concerned because what Yahusha did was causing a stir around the community. And so they investigated the matter. They looked into the history of this man who was born blind. So they called his parents and asked asked them, is this your son? You say that he was born blind. How is it then that he can now see? Because they couldn't accept that Yahusha was the one who healed him. And so they wanted to know. They were doing some investigation. They asked the parents, They bring the parents in and kind of interrogated them and asked the parents, well, what was the response of the parents? Let's read 20 to 23. His parents answered, we know that he is our son, and we know that he was born blind, but we do not know how it is that he is now able to see, nor do we know who cured him of his blindness. Ask him. He's old enough, and he can answer for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish authorities who had already agreed that anyone who said he believed that Yahushua was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. That is why his parents said, he is old enough, ask him. And so here we have the parents who were being interrogated by the Jewish authorities. The Jewish authorities insisted... That the the son, who was uh, born blind, could not have been cured by our King Yahushua. And so the parents, in their explanation, they say to the Jewish leaders, why don't you talk to him himself? And they said that because they were afraid. I mean, when you're afraid of your religious teachers, if you're afraid of your religious leader, isn't that a red flag? I mean, why would you be afraid? of your religious leader. Think about that. Why would you be afraid? Because when a person is afraid of the religious leader, what kind of influence does the religious leader have? One that is based on fear. That is one of the characteristics of Nicolaitan leadership. They use fear as a way to manipulate and control the people that they lead. Well, why were the parents afraid? Because if they were to believe that Yahushua is the Messiah, what would happen to them? They'd be expelled from the synagogue. They don't want that to happen. And so they were controlling what they ought to believe. They were preventing people from believing that Yahushua is the Messiah. And so when they talked to the, uh, the son, the man born blind, what happened? What did he do to you, they asked. How did he cure you of your blindness? I have already told you, he answered. And you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Maybe you too would like to be his disciples. They cursed him. (laughs) Can you imagine religious leaders cursing a member of a congregation? (laughs) I mean, that's a red flag. (laughs) When you begin to impose your will by threats, by cursing, right? Right? And so that's what they do to this poor man. They cursed him and said, you are that fellow's disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses as for that fellow. However, we do not even know where he comes from. And so do you notice how they're using fear tactics and cursing and threats to get what they want to control the people? 30 to 34, the man answered, what a strange thing that is. You do not know where he comes from, but he cured me of my blindness. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He does listen to people who respect him and do what he wants them to do. Since the beginning of the world, nobody has ever heard of anyone giving sight to a person born blind. Unless this man came from God, he would not be able to do a thing. They answered, you were, born, you were born and brought up in sin. And you're trying to teach us? And they expelled him from the synagogue. Do you notice how the Jewish authorities were acting the part of a Nicolaitan leader? Because they could not be corrected. Who are you to teach us? Right? Number two, they are threatening this man who was born blind that if... He will not reject the Messiah, he's going to be expelled. That's exactly what happened to him. They expelled him from the synagogue. And so Nicolaitan leadership is characterized by the use of fear. And when they use fear, it's because they want to control what the people believe and what the people do. If you don't do what we say, you are going to be expelled. Those are the Jewish authorities. But you know. Even among Christian circles, there are people who are like the Jewish authorities. There are people who adopt the ways of the Nicolaitans. You know who a good example is? One who is a professing Christian, but he practices the way of the Nicolaitans? Who is an example? Third John, uh, nine down to 10. I wrote a short letter to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to be their leader, will not pay any attention to what I say. When I come, then I will call attention to everything he has done, the terrible things he says about us and the lies he tells us. But that is not enough for him. He will not receive our fellow Christians when they come and even stops those who want to receive them and tries to drive them out of the church. Here we have an example of a Christian or a professing Christian. What's his name? Diographies. And so, in that congregation where Diotrephes belongs, he places himself and exalts himself as their leader. But what kind of leader does he? Did he become a Nicolaitan leader? Why? Because he wants to control everything. He wants to control what you receive and who you talk to. And so, if you have, if you belong to a church and the religious leaders. They like to be control freaks. You know, they want to control and manage everything that you do. For example, the people you talk to, when they tell you you cannot speak to these groups of people or you cannot speak to that group of people because they don't belong to our group, that is called Nicolaitan leadership. And that is what Diatrophes did. And so these people who follow these leaders, they follow them because. They're afraid, not because they do what is out of love. And the reason why they're afraid is because they use the threat of expulsion and then connect it to another verse. In Matthew 18, verse 18, assuredly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You know, there are many, there are two organizations I know. Who uses this passage and tell their congregation, if you will not listen to us, we're going to expel you from our church, and your name is going to be removed from the book of life. Well, where did they get that from? Matthew 18, 18. They cite this verse and make the conclusion, this binding on earth that will be bound in heaven and losing on earth will be loose in heaven. That refers to writing the names, their names in the book of life or erasing the names of the book of life. I mean, how many here wants to have their names erased from the book of life? None of us would want that. But there are religious leaders who use Matthew 18 18 and use that as a starting point to, to begin their fear mongering. They say, if you don't believe us, if you don't follow us, we will have you expelled and your name will be removed from the book of life but they use this passage of the holy bible erroneously do you know what binding and loosing refers to the word binding refers to what is applicable what word of god is applicable the word loosing means what word what word of the, when the word of god is not applicable in this situation because the context of Matthew 18:18 18, 18 is about reconciling brethren who are having a misunderstanding and so there's a conflict and so it has to be resolved by the elders of the church so the elders get together they examine the situation and so they begin to look at what laws of god are binding and what laws of god do not bind or do not are not applicable in this in this situation that's what that means but they say it's about writing your name in the book of life no That is a misuse of the biblical text. And so another aspect of Nicolaitan leadership, they use fear to control the people. Not only that, what also uh, do they do? Let's read the book of John, chapter 10, 8 to 10. All others who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate, whoever comes in by me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only in order to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come in order that you might have life, life in its fullness. You know, what it here our King Yehusha is distinguishing himself, contrasting himself from leaders who are different. Leaders who are not true leaders. Because he says he is the shepherd, and those who came before me, he was speaking to the Jewish authorities. Well, they're not really true leaders. What's the difference between Yahusha as a leader and the Jewish authorities? The Jewish authorities came to, uh, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. In other words, their purpose is not to take care of the sheep. This is why they expelled the blind, the rich, the, the blind man who was uh, healed by our king Yahushua. Their purpose is not to give life. Their purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. In other words, all they want to do is exploit the brethren. They want to control the brethren. But our King Yahusha, he wants to make himself distinct. He showed the contrast between himself and the Jewish authorities. He says, they come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give you life. I have come to give you salvation. I have come so that you can go in and out and find pasture. And so, our King Yehusha showed that he was different. The Nicolaitan type leaders they exploit the brethren. They look at the brethren and ask themselves, "What can I get from them?" But Yehusha, when he looked at the sheep, he thinks, "What can I do to give to them? How can I feed them? How can I nurture them?" That's a true. Leader, and so those who follow the Nicolaitan style of leadership they exploit the people of God. How so? What is one way by which they exploit the people of God? Matthew 23, verse 4 they crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. What is how do those who follow Nicolaitan style leadership? exploit the brethren. Well, they crush their brethren with unbearable religious demands. Like what? They will solicit offering, donations, services. They will require attendance in all their meetings. They need to be present in all their activities. And so they're imposing and they're going to give them religious demands to the point they ask themselves, well, how about my family? This is more important than your family, right? And so it's unbearable, religious demands. Can you imagine, I mean, even doing these tough, difficult times, poverty stricken, you're going through hardships and difficulties, and they will go to your house and give you envelopes and ask for offering that if you don't give different kinds of offering, they will say to you, oh, your worship is not complete your worship is not satisfying to, to god for you to be accepted by god for you to please god you have to give different kinds of offering beloved brethren we're crushing they're, they're crushing the people they're exploiting the people and jeremiah warned about people like that 5 26 28 evil doers live among my people they lie in wait like those who spread nets to catch birds but they have set the traps to catch people. Just as a hunter fills a cage with birds, they have filled their houses with loot. That is why they are powerful and rich, why they are fat and well-fed. There's no limit to their evil deeds. They do not give orphans the rights or show justice to the oppressed. Bible tells us that there are people who have authority in their religion, but they use that authority to kind of feed off The brethren, this is why the Bible describes them as fat and well-fed, powerful and rich because they're using their power to exploit the brethren. That's the Nicolaitan style of leadership. And what's worse, they take advantage of the oppressed and the orphans, not just the oppressed and the orphans. They also, verse 47, they shamelessly keep widows out of their property and then pretend to be pious by making long prayers in public because of this they will be severely punished. So the Bible tells us that these kinds of acts, they do not reflect leadership that is according to the style of our king. Yahusha came to give. But those who come before him, those who are not true leaders, Yahushua says, they will just come to steal and destroy and to kill. And so these are the characteristics of Nicolaitan leadership, they exalt themselves. They claim absolute authority, you cannot question them. They act as lords over the people. They use fear to control the people and they exploit the people. Beloved brethren, do you know people who are like this? Do you know religious organizations who have and employ this kind of leadership? You probably do and it's amazing that they're able to get away with it. What's even more amazing is the people obey anyways, right? Aren't you amazed by that? I mean, think about it. Would you like people to control you, act as lords over you? Would you like to serve because of fear? Would you like to be in a religious organization or they exploit you and ask for endless offerings? You probably will say to yourselves, no. But why am I still here? Why are you allowing this Nicolaitan to take over your life? You know why? I mean, why do people accept that kind of leadership? Why? And so we need to ask that question, why is it that people remain in organizations like this? And Second Peter 3.16 tells us, as also in all his episodes, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard, to understand which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. Bible tells us that the scriptures can be misused. Do you believe that? Yeah. I mean, it's easy to twist the scripture. And so any person can stand before the pulpit hold the Bible in their hands, and say to the people, I'm preaching from the Bible, therefore listen to me. And what will the people do? They listen. (laughs) He's holding the Bible. Everything's coming from the Bible. And so when they hold the Bible and preach from it, everything they say, they say amen. Okay, that's good because you respect the Bible and honor the Bible. But we have to also understand it's possible for the one holding the Bible to misuse the Bible. Right? How so? They twist the scriptures. Do you know how it's possible to twist the scriptures? When you take a passage out of what? Yeah. when you take a passage out of context, this is why when we study the Holy Bible, we want to see the whole picture. We want to see the context. We want to see what is up that verse and the bottom of that verse. We need to know the chapter and the book and the genre. Of that book, we want to know the context. Because if not, we can make the Bible say anything we want. And so that leads to destruction. When people twist the scripture, it leads to their destruction. And also it leads to the destruction of those who follow them. This is why Apostle Peter warned about false leaders who are also teachers. He says, but there were also false prophets among the people. Even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And so what is the warning of the Apostle Peter? The Bible says they will bring destructive heresies. In other words, teachings, which they say is from Scripture, but they're actually twisted. Taken out of context. And because they take it out of context. They can make it. Communicate whatever they want. And so when they do this. They begin to deny who? Yahusha. They deny the Lord. This is why there are church organizations. Today who believe. That the one shepherd of the one flock. Is not Yahusha. You know. There are certain churches today. Who believe that the one head of the body of Yahusha, is not actually Yahusha, but someone else. Can you believe that? But there are people who believe it because they say it's from scripture. But how do they get scripture to communicate what they want it to say? Because they twist scripture. And when they twist scripture and introduce these destructive heresies, what is the response of many? The response of many, uh, two to three, And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time, their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. The Bible says that the reason why the people will accept these twisted doctrines, destructive heresies, is because... Those who will preach them out of their covetousness will do so to exploit you with deceptive words. And so they twist scripture and make you believe what they preach to you so that they can maintain control over you. What's a good example of twisting of scripture to maintain control over you? Let's read Romans 10 verse 15. And how shall they preach? Unless they are sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. And so here's a biblical passage. There are those who use this passage and twist it so that they will conclude the only ones who can preach, the only ones who can rightly explain the Bible are those who are sent. What do you mean by sent? You have to be a messenger with a prophecy right and so they use this verse and so if it did not come from them we have no right to question them can you imagine if you had that kind of power that you are the only one who can rightfully explain the holy bible so whatever you say they will say what amen obey and never complain amen why because they're the only ones who can rightfully rightfully explain and so you cannot go to them and say to them, oh, pastor, I think you probably made a mistake because that's not what it says in this verse of the Holy Bible. You say, no, you don't have the right to explain to me the Bible because I'm the only one. I'm the only one sent. Beloved brethren, we have to be careful. But they use this verse to make that conclusion. But when you look at this verse and how shall they preach unless they are sent, what does it actually mean? Well, got to read the context. From the context, what does it actually tell us? It's not telling us that only those who are authorized to send can preach the whole Bible. Apostle Paul is telling us, all of you, because you have a covenant with Yahushua, you should be going out there and telling the people about Yahushua. So it's not limiting the people who can preach. It's telling us all of us should go out there and preach or proclaim the message of the gospel. That's what Romans 10.15 says. But they're twisting it. So, that only they, only their group can properly preach the gospel. So, beware of those who claim that they are the only ones who can rightfully explain the Bible. And so, that is another aspect of Nicolaitan leadership. They twist scriptures to maintain their authority. This is why people still follow them because they think and believe they're the only ones who can rightfully preach. The word of God. and So we must be watchful. And reject Nicolaitan leadership. Why must we be watchful. About false leadership. Or Nicolaitan leadership. Because without wise leadership. A nation falls. For safety in having many advisors. If you read the holy bible. For example the book of judges. Or exodus. Or the kings. What will you notice. You will notice it the history of the people of God, whenever there is apostasy, it is preceded by, number one, either a leader dies, or number two, the leader becomes Nicolaitan. And so apostasy is the result of Nicolaitan leadership. When they use their power and authority, not to bring people to Yahushua, but to bring people to who? Themselves. That's Nicolaitan leadership. And so, Apostle Paul, right before he died, he warned about that in the book of Acts twenty seventeen. For Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears apostle Paul he was a good leader because he preached Christ but he said he knows after my departure he knows that these leaders are going to begin preaching something else so that the attention is away from Christ and upon themselves that's why apostle Paul for the elders the elders were the leaders and he said from among you from among the elders are going to arise and distort the truth, so that he, they can draw away disciples after them. You see that these elders are going to preach and distort Scripture, so that people will follow them instead of Yahusha. You see, true leadership bring people to Yahusha, not to themselves. Nicolaitan leadership they take people away from Yahusha and bring the people to them themselves because they twist the scriptures and impose their beliefs upon the people that they lead that they lead this is why Yahushua hates the the, the the deeds and the teachings of the Nicolaitans and so we know throughout the history of the Christian church throughout the history of the people of God there's always going to be someone who is going to act like a it's just to be expected right and even today, when we study the biblical pattern, we know when we looked at our situation where we came from, the Bible tells us about rulers who were rebels. And when you look at the details of this prophecy, it fits the Nicolaitan style. And because of this Nicolaitan style of leadership, what would happen to the people of God? It would become like Sodom and Gomorrah. They would go backward into apostasy. And so, whenever there's leadership that begins to practice Nicolaitan practices. It leads to apostasy. And in restoration, what does Yahuwah do? He restores judges and advisors. And this is uh, what we found today. And so we believe, beloved brothers and sisters in the faith, that we who belong to the assembly of Yahushua, that he has gathered us together and he wants to provide us with leaders who are not Nicolaitans. And so now that we're going to celebrate the third anniversary of the assembly of Yahusha, what we want you to do, brothers and sisters, we were thankful, right? Because in the assembly, we have the opportunity to worship together, to learn together the Holy Bible. And so we're doing our best to present to you the teachings of the scriptures, and you are learning together with us. We are learning together with you. We do this together. However, as we celebrate, the uh, third anniversary of the assembly, we have to be watchful of patterns that lead to destruction. And so what I would like to strongly advise everyone who belong to the assembly of Yahusha is this, you must be watchful and hold the leaders of the assembly of Yahusha accountable. Can we agree on that? And so if, I mean, I'm doing my best to present to you the gospel message, to present to you what I believe is what the Bible is teaching, but I'm not perfect, right? So if you have any questions, if you know like a better way to understand scripture, let me know. This is why we have the email. I think it's info Right? If you have any questions, you can ask us. You can question us. We're not going to expel you. <laughs> We're not going to practice the way of the Nicolaitans. So we want you to hold us accountable and we want you to test, to judge, to weigh for yourself the teachings that we present to you now if you're going to kind of question what we're teaching we do advise you give us a list of verses for why you believe what you believe right and so we can discuss it and so we'll look at it together and say okay you have a good point there brother let's discuss there some more maybe we can find a, a better explanation for that passage and so we work together as we learn the scriptures together the one thing we don't want to do is to practice the Nicolaitan style of leadership. Instead, what we want to do is to make sure that as leaders, as teachers of the gospel, we fulfill what Yahuwah wants for the flock of his people. And what he wants is for us to feed the flock so that they will not be afraid, not be dismayed, and lack nothing. And so we look at the pattern of prophecy. Look at the, the light it sheds so that we can follow that pattern of prophecy. And so what is the best example of leadership? We know it's not Nicolaitan. Yahushua hates the ways of the Nicolaitans. What is Yahusha's way of leadership? We don't have to guess. It is right here in the book of John 13. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so. But that is what I am. now. That I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And so what kind of leadership should we practice in the assembly? The leadership of our king, Yahushua. He said... I am teacher, I am Lord. And as your teacher and Lord, watch what I do. And then Yahushua washes the feet of his disciples. What's the point of our King Yahushua? As leaders, as teachers, it is our responsibility to serve and not to be served. You see, the Nicolaitans, they got it twisted. They want to be served. Instead of doing the serving. That's not the way, Yahushua. Yahushua looks at the sheep and asks himself, what can I do to feed the sheep? What can I do to take care of the sheep? Nicolaitans looks at the sheep and they ask themselves, what can I do to exploit the sheep? We're not here to exploit the sheep, but to feed the sheep. And so when we preach the word of God, when a leader preaches the word of God, what should be the subject matter of his preaching? We're almost done. Second Corinthians four to five, four five. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. You see, it? we don't preach about ourselves. We preach that Yehusha Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Yahusha's faith. That's what true biblical leadership is all about when the preacher in the pulpit will preach and say to the people, go to Yahushua. Not to me, to Yahushua. That's a true preacher of the gospel. When after the sermon is done, they're going to look for who? Our king? Yahushua, who also is a good example, the book of John. So John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, the man we met, On the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah is also baptizing people. And everybody is going to him instead of coming to us. You know who is being depicted in this passage of scripture? Who is that? Apostle John or John the Baptist? (laughs) This is John the Baptist. And so at the outset of his ministry, he was baptizing. He was converting many disciples. He was baptizing many people. And then he baptizes Yahushua. And so when he baptizes Yahushua, he knows immediately he is the one. Because Yahuwah spoke and revealed to everyone, that is my beloved son. Listen to him, right? And so when Yahushua was baptized and Yahushua began his ministry, the disciples of John, they kind of were talking to each other and said to John the Baptist, you know, the one you call the Messiah, he is baptizing people. He's getting more people. And nobody's going to us anymore. You know what John the Baptist said? Let's read 28 to 30. You yourselves know how plainly I told you. I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride. And the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater. And I must become less and less. Beloved brethren, when you listen to a sermon and after the sermon, you realize that Yahusha is all you need, that Yahusha is the one that you need to place your trust in, that's a good sermon, but if a sermon is preached and it's all about the preacher and his authority to preach, and takes away from Yehusha. Beloved brethren, that is not what we ought to be doing. Bible says, He, Yahushua, must become greater and greater. And the preacher must become less and less. You see, the purpose of the preacher is to be behind the scenes and to put the floodlights onto Yehusha. You get it? You stand behind the scene. And you put the floodlights to Yahushua. It has to be about him. And so what should be the fruit of good preaching of the gospel and the word of God? Let's read the final passage of our studies today. For I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted. Just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. What should be the fruit? Of true preaching of the word of God. Apostle Paul said. In the verse we read earlier. We don't preach ourselves. We preach Christ. And when a person truly preaches and proclaims Christ. What will be the good fruit? They will have a pure. And undivided devotion to Yahusha. That should be the fruit. Of preaching the word of God. People are led to Yahusha. Instead of the preacher. The preacher's job is to not be in the way, but to stand out of the way so that the focus and only focus is our King, Yahushua HaMashiach. And that's our lesson. Let us stand and we shall pray. Almighty and merciful Father, indeed, you are great an awesome God who created all things and summoned us to belong to your people. As your sons and daughters, we proclaim the truth about you and your beloved son. It is an honor and privilege to represent you to the world to shine brightly before men by preaching the gospel. Yahusha, our King and Messiah, we focus upon you for doing our best to bring people to you because the plan, the Largos is about you. Please, gracious King and shepherd, may you guide the assembly We are thankful because we're going to celebrate the third year of the dedication of the Assembly of Yahusha. Help us that we may continue to provide paths that lead to you. That more and more people can learn about you and give their life over to you. To entrust their souls to you by having a covenant with you. May you please be with us and prepare us. For our upcoming worship service. Help us to understand the great blessing that you have given us. Help us to be true leaders, one who is after your glory. Help us to proclaim you until the very end. Father, we believe that you have listened to our prayers. We ask and beg everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahushua HaMashiach. Amen.